Dharma Bites is brought to you by Free Buddhist Audio, the Dharma for real life. Our work is funded entirely by donations from our generous listeners. If you would like to help us keep this free, come and join us at freebuddhistaudio.com forward slash community. Thank you and happy listening. So perhaps we should return to our question, what is mind? So mind is the perceiving subject that cannot be known as an object. Perhaps we don't really need to go into whether those objects exist or not, as it were, but you can pursue that if you wish. But there are distinguishing characteristics of mind that are traditionally used to help us to know the mind. So I'm going to run through these. So first of all, the characteristic of clarity. Now, this doesn't mean sharp and focused or crisp. In a way, it's the kind of mind described by the shepherd in the shepherd's search for mind. It's mind which is indefinable, ungraspable, lacking in definition, infinitely flexible, non-material, space-like nature of consciousness. So it's devoid of colour, shape, form and dimension. It's transparent, mysterious. It cannot be objectified as this or that. It cannot be measured or weighed, weighed or defined by categories. So this is very much like the shepherd coming back and saying, mind is lucid, limpid, ungraspable, illuminating, etc., so it's infinitely malleable, shapeable and fluid. Nothing intrinsically defines it as this or that. There is nothing it cannot be. Mind is unbounded. So that's what's called clarity. And I think sometimes in a formless meditation practice, when you're not focusing on an object, you have that sense of your mind, don't you? It goes wherever it goes. It's, it's got no limits. It got, it's got no boundaries. And... Uh, you can do that in a kind of quite ordinary way, just trying to have a sense of your mind as a, the space-like quality of your mind. This is a meditation practice that Kamala Sheila's led some of us through on a retreat we were on, just to sit and contemplate the spacious nature of one's mind. It's a very interesting practice. One can take that further, of course, and uh, develop it into the sort of blue sky-like mind that we begin a visualisation with. So it, it cannot be defined in its essential nature. So the second characteristic of mind is cognition. So mind consists in knowing its object. And we won't analyse at this point whether objects exist or not. You can't have mind without an object. Mind is that which knows and is aware and conscious and always conscious in terms of an object, however subtle that object might be. So it's always relational. Mind is a relational term, relational to an object and vice versa. So we can't experience anything independent of our experience, as it were. Sometimes we think of mind as an independent entity, but it, it really isn't if we, if we uh, pursue our reflections on mind. Subject and object are always in relationship to one another. An object is an object for a subject, and a subject is a subject for an object. So clarity and then cognition. The third characteristic is that mind is momentary so this is true of all buddhist philosophy mind is momentary mind is ever-changing it's never the same it's a continuous flux this is quite hard for us to think about so we tend to think of it in in discrete moments as it were and uh, in the tradition a mind moment a consciousness moment is said to be one sixty-fourth of the snapping of a finger <laughs> or one billionth of a flash of lightning 
So it's the, the tiniest, 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 tiniest thing you could possibly think about is a mind moment. <laughs> and there is a sutta in the Pali Canon called Consciousness of Process Only, where the Buddha takes to task, I can't remember the person's name, but they think that mind is a sort of entity, and uh, the Buddha is pointing out that it's, it's a process. So perhaps it's more um, accurate to talk in terms of minds, minds which arise and pass away. There's a sequence of, sequence of minds, as it were, uh, one, mo- mind, one mind moment being the occasion for the next mind moment. So I think we tend to think of mind uh, in the West as more like a camera with an object presented to it, uh, and the camera remains the same, the mind remains the same. I think we have to sort of get into a different um, mindset, as it were, to think about mind as a, as a process. And, of course, the fact that mind is a process, mind is momentary, is connected with the six senses. So it's not that there is one mind, um, you know, a series of discrete minds having discrete experiences. There's information coming in through all the five senses, each sense giving rise to its own consciousness. So ear consciousness, eye consciousness, nose consciousness, tongue consciousness, mind consciousness. So this just gives us a sort of sense of the mind being momentary. And then the mind is conditioned. So each mind or mind moment is dependent on conditions, the conditions of the previous mind moment. So this involves an element of volition, of karma and karma vipaka. So mind uh, has the tendency to reproduce itself and keep on the same track. I mean, we know this from our own experience, don't we? Mental events tend to cohere and create character and style. So our minds tend to function in accordance with habit. If we are unskillful, we tend to repeat that. And the more repetitions we do, the easier it is to do it again and again. So we dig channels for ourselves. This, again, is very clearly expressed in the Dhammapada. Uh, Should a man once do evil, let him not make a habit of it. Let him not set his heart upon it. Painful is the heaping up of evil. There is also the opposite verse. Uh, I haven't got that written down, but should a man once do good, let him make a habit of it. Presumably it says something like, let him set his heart upon it. Happy is the heaping up of good. So habit, uh, we tend to think of habit as a negative word, don't we? But you could see it as a neutral word. And then if it's unskillful actions, um, then obviously it becomes unskillful. So at the very least, uh, unskillful habits are routine. At their worst, they're compulsive and addictive. So let's let, let a man... Should a man wants to evil, let him not make a habit of it. Let him not set his heart upon it. Painful is the setting up of evil because that's digging a channel deeper and deeper in our experience and it becomes easier and easier to follow that line of least resistance. But habit can also be seen as positive uh, in terms of a positive momentum of creative discipline. So it's interesting that habitual karma is one of the four main types of karma. And I think it's the most important one, perhaps. You've got weighty karma, which may be rare in your experience. You've got death proximate karma, which you're only going to have at death. You've got residual karma, which seems to be sort of indeterminate. And you've got habitual karma. So the things you do most often have the greatest effect upon us. The things we do again and again and reflect upon. So it's important to uh, set up positive momentum, positive habits, to dig new channels for our behavior. 
in line with the ten precepts. And again, the Dhammapada expresses this. Irrigators draw off the waters, fletchers straighten arrows, carpenters shape wood, righteous men discipline themselves. So we're trying to re-channel our mental events from habitual, unskillful channels into creative, positive channels. So the mind can be characterized by clarity, cognition, it's momentary, it's involved with the six senses, and it involves karma and karma vipaka. We hope you enjoyed the talk. Please come and help us keep this free at freebuddhistaudio.com forward slash community. And thank you.